0: You look all right? Yeah, you, you look amazing on your microphone. Thank you.
1: Kyle. Yep. Where are we? We are in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, at uh, the parking lot of the venue. What is this place called? It's called a Union Transfer. Union Transfer. And we were trying to debate today if this was like a thing or if it's a new thing or it's not like a Philly relic. It's not like the thing like the electric factor no they just just paid to have the sign look rusty but it's not Ah. actually rusty they have a lot of great bands coming up yeah Uh, they might be giants that's playing here that's nothing to fucking shake a stick at dude those dudes are fucking massive
0: yeah uh, uh, Snarky Puppy I think is coming Uh, the the Lemonheads
1: Lemonheads awesome yeah
0: decent venue yeah
1: Uh, For Your Strong some punk rock yeah Uh, another punk rock band oh The Messengers tomorrow oh After us, follow up, follow up show to Max. Yeah, here at the Union Transfer.
0: So we we just had an amazing dinner. It was good. It was a Mexican Chinese fusion place. Didn't know what to quite think about it, but the flavors were all there. That's for sure. Yeah, and 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 we we had a we had an idea. We uh, you know we wanted to you know we had a different conversation than we than we than we've had in the past.
1: Yeah, it was that or a refresh, and you don't fix what's broken, right? Right. um, Things seem to be going well over on the other side of the the fence, the audio fence. Yeah. So why fix it? That's right. What are we going to talk about, Chris? You had an idea. I had an
0: idea. So, so yeah, so this is going to be different than a typical singleton noise conversation. This might become a thing. It might not. But, hey, let's just, you know. Give it a shot. What? One of the things we talked about uh, at dinner was we talked about experiencing music, or either you know getting it, staying hip with new music, or or the nostalgia factor or whatever. Um, and the first thing that came to mind to me was the way we consume music now versus how we had to consume music growing up. Or two different experiences. Correct. Right? So, like, and whether yeah. it was vinyl or cassette tape or a CD or whatever, like, you know, Album. you had to play through the whole thing to get back to the beginning again or something like that. Correct. Whereas now, you know, it's like, oh, check out my new track on Spotify and listen to 15 seconds, fast forward to the chorus and onto the next thing. And, you know, it's, uh, it's a different experience.
1: I'm glad you brought that up because Ryan, who was just sitting here, who is the music director for Max, him and I went over how we found new bands when we were a kid. Yep. And, I, and I thought that was super fun because we've even touched on it on the podcast, the other that other podcast that we do um, a little bit as well, going through like liner notes mm-hmm. and the artwork that came with it and the experience of buying music opposed to what is happening now when you buy music. Um, or how even music gets popular. Like I, I've actually asked a ton of questions to younger generation to understand how music gets popular now, and it's a it's a completely different thing than we when we were children mm-hmm. or when we were kids. So it's it's definitely an interesting conversation.
0: Well, and there's there's always something to be said of your most formidable years of like high school, just post high school, are whatever music you're into at that point is always going to be a part of you for the rest of your life, and most Agreed. people have a hard time deviating from that. Even the band that they were into them if that band tends to progress, they only typically care about the album that they were initially exposed to back at that time.
1: Yeah, and, and that's what I witness at home. Even when I'm listening to music at home, Carlo put on you know, music from her high school <laughs> era, or something that she heard her sister listen to while she was uh, younger. Um, and those kind of stick with you for a long time. But it's interesting how those as consumables have like matured through this. And I think, I don't know, maybe those who work a lot around music like you and I try to keep a better pulse on moving forward through like what's happening now versus what happened when we were kids.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's I know I'm definitely guilty of not giving enough effort to quote-unquote new music because it's it's safe and easy to go to what you know and you know like like for instance i mean in the last seven years uh or so i know it's a specific number but um you know i've recently gotten into some like you know emo and screamo that i was never in when it was popular the early 2000s
1: it's kind of like uh, california and arizona they're still interested in bad ska music and um white guy reggae rap rock yeah it's weird.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, like, I seriously, like, you know, sp- more specifically, like, Emery and, and, and things in that vein, Under Oath, like, they, you know, they all broke in the early 2000s. And I wasn't the least bit interested in then. But now I'm like, it's like a whole new experience of, like, going back and listening to, you know, e- even if it's as cheesy as, like, an emo's not dead playlist. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's a whole new experience for me because I didn't experience it when it was then. And I found that, like you know the more i listen to it the more i'm able to appreciate other other ones but if if you were just to like scratch the surface you like it's almost like a you get shocked you just pull back and like eh this is that's not for me it's not for me but like you got you got to let it like marinate a minute and and and, and dig into it
1: so do you find yourself when you do go back and listen to that stuff is kind of find the the relic that they came from like what made that band write music like that uh i, I you know
0: what i think actually what did pull me into it is i didn't understand you know what what that genre was the punk diy scene the emo scene like you know what they were writing about like you know um I, I just didn't appreciate it and so like yeah once you start to get to know like a artist or two you get to learn how and why they wrote those songs and things like that like it you know it legitimately is the the emotional aka emo connection to that music i think actually you know as you get older and you contemplate life and think about different things it's, it's interesting and it's You know, it's also funny to see some of these bands who, you know, in the early 2000s, you know, like Emery is like writing, you know, like every other emo song, like a um, the typical like love song thing or a breakup thing or whatever. Right. Whereas now they're writing emotional music, but about life things. Right. Like they're 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 dads just like we are and stuff like that. And, you know, um, they're you're just vocalizing life experiences. And so once you can start to actually like connect with that, um, it's, it's it's pretty cool.
1: i i I like listening back and i like now that if i listen to an artist uh digitally i can see that artists like them are in my feed and i'll i'll do what you said i'll go listen to you know 15 20 seconds 30 seconds of each of their top songs or whatever and if i like it then i'll dig even deeper and then um having kids you know mine's eight now and i have two step kids 25 and 23 so um seeing what they're into and what they're asking me for tickets for and what they're listening to keeps me kind of fresh on the bit and touring with bands that are, uh, have their finger on a different pulse than I do. Uh, give me ideas of new stuff to listen to. But when I was a kid, when we bought an album or a cassette, cause that was the only f- two choices that mm-hmm. you had back then, it was the liner notes. Hmm. and uh, we would look through the liner notes and see what bands they thanked for touring with them or for playing with them or or even inspired them to do the albums and I think that's what um, how I got to know like magazines like underground magazines Maximum Rock and Roll was one of them that stands out right now Um, the old metal magazines the old rock and roll magazines and going through them and looking at t-shirts or looking at bands that were on tour with other bands that's how we figured that stuff out the funny thing is is this is all digital now and it's 30 second clips and it's all like who's getting the most tiktok views Mm -hmm. it is uh you probably have some friends that are out with tiktok artists right now (laughs) i I, I know we do on on our podcast we have several listeners that are probably out with tiktok artists right now and that's my
0: yeah my 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 daughter's favorite um one of her favorite uh artists uh tate mccray which i told you guys about that experience i mean she you know yeah uh i mean she kind of broke on TikTok. i mean she was i mean that's I mean, kind of broke before that but still it's yeah it's that's for sure
1: it's very uh quick quick moving now like everything then was super slow like you could buy an album from five years ago and still find relevant artists but now it's like Things are go by so fast, like you can't like the Island Boys anymore. I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know that. I thought the Island my Boys. My wife
0: <laughs> freaking hates them. It's, so my uh, my five year old, she knows that my wife hates the Island Boys, right? And so my five year old will literally walk around the house doing it just to annoy my wife. It's amazing. See,
1: but it they made millions because of that. Yeah. And and it it's insane how. The, the medium of delivery has changed, but th- it's all kind of the same on how we discover new stuff.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, and like, I certainly don't want to sit here and sound like old curmungians of like, oh, the experience was better back then, right? Now, that's, not, that's not the point of this. Um, but I'm curious to to reminisce and go back because I know, I am um, guarantee you and I had completely different experiences, both from mediums and culture. But um, what, do you, if you can think back, do you remember what was the earliest recollection you have with music in any experience, whether it's listening, whether it's, you know, radio, whatever. Like what, what what's as far as back as you could think experiencing music?
1: So as far back as I can think experiencing music is, uh, through my parents and listening to the radio. And, um, it was the voices that captured me. It was the spoken rather than the song that always, drew my attention to them like Like what kind of music like no uh, they listen to country music or or what you would call pop back then but the introductions to the songs were the things that caught me Hmm. like the the announcers and the people that did the talk radio bits they were the ones that drew me to listen to the radio like um who's that guy who used to do uh, I'm so and so and this is blah 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 mm. and he'd tell a story and the story would have like a funny punchline to it but it was like a life lesson like that's why I love listening to the radio and then music wise, Home the record player, I loved looking at record and album covers like um, the pictures of the people playing instruments like the descriptions, the lyrics of the song, like everything was put together so well and like When you opened up an album, it was like an experience all in itself. And I remember my mom and dad used to listen to that Sonny and Cher album, the live one with I Got You, Babe. And uh, I remember looking at those albums going, holy cow, people used to dress like this. But it was like that time, it was the 70s. And um, personal experience, when I played T-ball, we won second place or something like that. And we had like a little fair where we got to go pick our gift for playing that season, and I picked a Grease album. Uh, Nice. And uh, that was the first album I owned on my own was a Grease soundtrack. And uh, another iconic thing, because it was attached to a movie that I had never saw, but I knew the songs because... Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta were these huge things back then. So looking at all the picture, and I thought it was funny that he said "pussy wagon" in a song, <laughs> and my parents didn't know it. Like I didn't know what a "pussy wagon" was. I was like, I was a little kid, but that was my first experience with music is is vinyl, is an album, and uh, I loved reading through them, like who's the mixer? Who's the producer? I didn't know who any of these people were, but all these people were being talked about. Were you, were
0: you paying attention to like the credits and stuff like that? In, always.
1: The- like I don't know why. Like Anytime I picked up anything, I always read the whole thing. Um, I don't know if it was just like a natural response to me or it was something I learned to do, but I always read the inserts of everything. Written by so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. Oh, this is a Sonny and Cheer album. Why is this song written by this other person you know what i mean so i i would always kind of take note of those weird things for no obvious reason
0: it's interesting um yeah i mean again so my obviously again from a medium standpoint i'm a little bit younger than you so uh, you know my first experience would have been certainly um radio to a degree i remember cassettes more than anything um now the, the difference here is um you know, I grew up in a very initially very strict Christian home right, and at the time um, when uh, at least when I came about, we were in the kind of like a Southern Baptist type place where like anything with a beat is of the devil Yeah, you know what I mean, so like I had um, the two artists that I remember having on cassette first Amy Grant well, as one of them, oh nailed it <gasps> Amy Grant and Steve Green I don't even know who Steve yeah, Green is and most people who are not gonna know who it is it doesn't matter. That actually, he was my first concert. Actually, it was a Steve Green concert. But, um, but yeah, I mean, so like, I mean, for for years uh, growing up, I mean, like, I I didn't know what pop radio was and stuff like that. Like, the the only inkling I would get is like. Um, uh, I remember like maybe like middle schoolish or closer to high school, you know, my dad kinda started loosening things up or whatever and the church we went to kinda changed and, and some some things kinda started to expand a little bit. They put bit. the snakes
1: away. They put the snakes back in the cage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well no, like we, we, we like I would say like um like late elementary school, going to middle school, we 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 progressed uh, from being like um, that type of church to more of like a non-denominational you know oh. church or whatever and with with an actual like praise band that had like drums and guitars and things like that um, and so uh, we were able to expand a little bit there but um, but like I remember like my dad like playing you know um, like classic rock radio or whatever and uh, and so it wasn't it wasn't until like high school that I barely even, had like heard like zeppelin or floyd or like any any of that stuff right so and it wasn't even until like actually i got out of high school and was like
1: doing my thing or whatever hold on i have a question so obviously music drives culture trends everything how did you stay out of it for that long like, weren't you seeing other people at school with, like, concert T-shirts on and, like... Wow, but
0: I, so hold on. So, I went I went to, like, a Christian school, though, too. Ah. Uh, so, like,
1: uniforms.
0: Like, now, all right. So, the in that regard, though, I do remember um, this one girl who had... Um, who was, you know, what? The edgy? School, yeah. The school would have described as, like, you know, uh, the bad influence. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh and she had I'll never forget, she had Linkin Park's first album. I think it was a Hybrid Theory or Yeah, Hybrid Theory, I right? think it was. and uh and I remember being like so intrigued of like, man, I wanna listen to this. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um and but yeah, so but but here's the thing. I was way into music, but I was way into Christian music. You know, I mean there was as you know, there was this whole scene of oh, yeah. like Uh, so I mean I, I had the 250 foot 250 page or whatever like CD binder right like 250 CDs or whatever like plus in there like and it was maxed so like I mean I had music it just was Christian music it was sheltered it wasn't it wasn't you know secular or regular radio or whatever so i mean like i was into music but like i mean like i was big into ska and i was big into like all these other things and the funny thing was this progression right so like you talk about like reading the liner notes for me it was i had to convince my parents that this was okay to listen to uh, right. And it's like I had to do this whole thing of like, like research. Yeah. Well, there was this guy, Stephen Curtis Chapman. He was like my gateway out of beyond like Amy Grant and stuff. Like he was, you know, kind of like a country. Uh, cheers.
1: Well, I can't do all of it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're, we're on the bus, by the way, if we hadn't said that in the beginning here. So um, we're indulging in a adult beverage right now. But um, uh, and. Yeah. Um, so I was like, hey, you know, it's it's about the lyrics, Mom. I'm like, read. Like, these are really... Clean. Don't worry about the guitars and the drums. You know what I mean? I had to do that progression. And then it was like, you know, getting into, like, DC Talk and all the adrenaline and all this stuff. Um, and then, like, the ska bands and whatever. And, like... Um, uh, so, yeah. So that was, like... It wasn't until, quite frankly, after high school. Like, I'm out and about. Like... And, look, I started touring, what, a year after high school? Yeah. So, like, I went from... It's basically a culture shock of, like, what is in the world music-wise and all these things. So, like, I've been playing catch-up in terms of musical experiences ever since. And that's why, like, I have a hard time when people, like, talk about, you know, oh, you don't know this, this. And, like, like I just haven't experienced it. I didn't experience it when it was a thing.
1: That's cool. I mean, it's a great way to look at it because um, it's kind of like straight-edge kids or vegan kids. And all of a sudden they have some meat. And they're like, oh, hold on. There's more. Yeah. And uh, it goes crazy. So you said you saw a logo. That happened when I was a kid, too. So I was a little skater kid. And... Uh we always wanted to listen to the hip stuff that the skater kids listened to, you know? So some of them listened to hip-hop, you know? Back in the day, it was like Run DMC and the Fat Boys and Beastie Boys and that kind of thing. But then we saw the punk rock kids at the mall one time, and they had the battle vests on. So it's not this new thing that just happened, like like the battle vests have been around for a while. And what we would do is read the patches on the battle Mm. vest, and we'd be like, check those bands out, because that cool kid with the crazy-colored hair listens to that stuff maybe we should check it out and that that was a great advertisement for us to consume new music and uh, it was out of rebellion yeah i mean music has always been about rebellion i yeah. think um in many shapes and forms from orchestral movements to to punk rock or even pop music today like it, it's always been about some sort of rebellion so my parents N- not as strict as yours, but I brought home a recorded copy of Suicidal Tendencies and played <laughs> I Saw Your Mommy and Your Mommy's Dead over and over, and all of a sudden that tape went missing. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Uh, I bought a Misfits Evil Live shirt, the one where he's pulling out the eyeball, pus puss head design, <laughs> and uh, that shirt disappeared. And uh, the one that really messed me up was... Um, there was this time in the 80s and I just saw a t-shirt at a Foot Locker and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. They had this brand called Cross Colors and Cross Colors was uh, basically promoting African heritage and it was the yellow, red and green and we all used to wear the little Africas around our necks and I think at that point that was really pushing edgy moments cuz like the even the high school I went to was segregated. Oh, wow. It was d So it was half city kids, half county kids. Okay. So we were just getting into that thing. So we were super adopting cultures. like And to fit in with everybody, you went with the cross colors. And uh, I bought Public Enemy, Yo Bum Rush, The Show, and uh, Fear of a Black Planet came out. And that was two albums that I never understood why disappeared from my collection, but they did. And... Uh, of course NWA straight out of Compton <laughs> uh I had to hide that one but they were all cassettes that I had to record from someone else
0: Well that, that's funny so you mentioned NWA straight out of Compton like so like when that recent um document why well not document uh, w- um whatever the movie the movie right I mean yeah. it's a basically a documentary but dramatized right um and like I first off, as we discussed at dinner, like, i'm I'm big into music doc- documentaries and and um and I consider that one a documentary of sorts. Like my wife finds it hilarious that I am so into that movie. And part of it is is that, like, again, like, I'm just learning about some of this shit for the first time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I know an, I, I knew fringe information, but, like, I don't... Whereas, like, you, like, you knew probably that whole story before that movie came out. Oh, yeah. Right? Whereas I experienced so much, like, I've watched all the Tupac and Biggie, you know, uh, conspiracy theory videos and movies and shit like that, because it's like, you know, but because I, I didn't know about it when that shit was happening.
1: Yeah. Gangster rap for me was high school. It was. And... Uh, it was the hardest thing you could listen to, where everyone was like, ooh, it's hard. And we had gang members at our school. It was like... It was the bl- Bloods and the Crips. Uh, growing up in St. Louis, Saint Missouri, Missouri yeah. we were always worried about what was coming out on the West Coast and the East Coast. We were always trying to be as cool as whatever thing was happening at the moment, you know? At the time, the East Coast wasn't really offering that. It was more like hip-hop based, like Eric B. and Rakim, um, Obviously, Public Enemy, but... It, holy cow the west coast gangster stuff came out and all of a sudden we thought we were all gang members like <laughs> it was it was incredible and it actually drove the culture of that music like i remember driving around in my friend's jeep banging like ain't no future in your front you know like we knew about rap music just because it was like a fuck the culture thing right you know and uh it was funny because uh Public Enemy and the Beastie Boys came to the the arena there in St. Louis, and I'd say eighty percent of the crowd was white kids, mm-hmm. and uh, it wasn't a shock to anyone on stage. Trust me, and and that's that's what shocked the people of St. Louis. I think because they were like, "Uh oh, we're having these gangster rap, sure. like hard rapping, foul mouth people on stage talking about freedom and fighting the power and revolution." And, you know, and 80% of their crowd was white people. I mean, it was just like that was the consumer of that product because they were like, holy shit, we love this culture. Mm -hmm. And uh, they built an industry off of it, you know. Um, I think our generation of kids drove that to success. Mm -hmm. They really did because we found it scary as fuck. (laughs) We didn't we didn't know they were lying about. The people they shot or anything like that we just thought it was tough as fuck that they tried to shoot all these people (laughs) but um yeah it that changed a generation of people uh i think that's the cool thing about looking back at the nostalgia of the music that we listen to is the change in the seasons of the culture throughout the history of it and it's still prevalent now like it really is like drake and 21 savage just released an album if you listen to that thing, it's been released a thousand times before. It's just presented in a new package. Yeah. And I think the ones that are creative enough can keep releasing music like that and keep inspiring generations to come through that new music. So,
0: Yeah, it, I mean, for me, like the a lot of the nostalgia for me, again, most of my nostalgia is based on Christian music uh, that often most people I interact with on a daily basis cannot relate to. Yeah, <laughs> um, But to me, like... Like if I'm doing like you know I do you know long trips like driving down to Florida with a family or something like that and I gotta put on music to keep me awake driving through the night and like one of my go-to's I literally made a playlist in Spotify called like old um, old school um uh or uh uh, uh uh youth group like old school youth group or something like high school youth group or something like that right and it's um and it's 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 the the standard CCM of the late nineties early two thousands the DC Talk Audio Journal whatever and it's like wh- some of the music is good. Regardless of whether you care about the beliefs of the things or not, uh, some of it's cheesy as fuck, or, or not good. But part of it's like I don't care about any of that. Like to me, I have memories of Audio Adrenaline's some kind of zombie album cassette. Sorry, album. I had it on cassette, and I used to. I lived kind of out in the sticks a little bit, and I had this trail in my in the woods, and I would ride my bike for freaking hours on this trail and just play this one. Cassette, because that's, that's what you did. You played a cassette back to back, back, to yep. back, back, um, and just listened to it. Right, and it's like it mentally takes me back to this. Like, not a care in the world. I'm riding my bike. I'm, you know what I mean? Yep. Like that's that's part of. The, regardless of what the song is about, the chord structure, all like none of that even matters.
1: Yep. It's the same with my punk rock dude. Like, we used to put the cassette on at this at the ramp or wherever we were skating, and like. I listen to it now, and it's not <laughs> its not that. Like, I have to listen to it by myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have to throw on headphones because no one else wants to hear that garbage. Yeah. And at some point, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to hear this garbage. But it, it's almost like smelling a smell yeah. or tasting something that you haven't had for a long time. It just all comes back to you. And all of a sudden, you know all the words, and you're like, oh, man. But do you,
0: do you, think, do you think that there's, there's new music that you will ever experience that will ever do for you what your stuff did when you were in your youth so
1: both of us have these little test test groups are called children <laughs> and you can consider us like the control group of this hypothesis, right so obviously parents play a role in the culture and the music that their kids listen to just like your your parents yeah. did right so i am oh so far my
0: kids don't like any of my music but anyway go ahead
1: Okay, so we'll start it at my oldest.
0: Whether it's current music or whether it's old music. They don't like any of it, but go ahead.
1: We'll, we'll start at my oldest. Haley is 25 now, and uh, I like what she listens to. Like She she introduced the family to Lana Del Rey when she came out. Mm. And I was like, cool, this is awesome. But I also catch her, you know, she likes some of the classic hardcore stuff I did because mm. that's what I played around the house. Um or she saw the logo. She's like, oh, hey, breed, blah, blah, blah. Awesome. Whatever. Oh, she got me a Slayer shirt one year for Christmas. Like, she knows. I get it. Berkeley, a little different. He's the country kid. He listens to country and uh, regular radio music and stuff like that. Uh, but he's very passionate about it. It's really cool to see his passion about that music because culture dictates style, too, right? Yeah. So, this wears a cowboy hat sometimes and boots and he can get away with it good good for him my daughter on the other hand she's gonna be a problem uh <laughs> Kemper <laughs> listens to Fu Manchu and loves stoner rock in the car with dad nice and then when she gets in the car with mom she listens to 90s uh grunge and she knows all those songs too and so uh, I I have these little groups that I can use for this hypothesis and I'm kind of watching them grow and noticing the exposure to music now with all the social platforms and using the music in the backgrounds, all the kids have kind of found their own path. And that's, what's kind of cool to look at is they really don't shun anything. They don't go, Oh, I don't like that. They kind of like a little bit of everything. So I think my control groups are growing up fairly cultured in the way of music
0: yeah it's interesting to you know so my oldest is 14 carly and um you know obviously growing up you know she was mostly into the pop stuff um with my wife whether it be taylor swift or pink or you know um you know um uh, what are the styles who, um who are those um harry styles yeah but, oh. what, but what was the group that they were um uh one direction yeah, like that. You know what I mean? Like when she was, you know, you know she went. To, you know So and then now,
1: Miley Cyrus, uh, Hannah yeah, Montana. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That, they,
1: that's huge with Haley too. Yeah, I'm mean
0: not anymore, obviously. But oh well, yeah. Yeah, but early on for sure. Um,
1: the paramours. Yeah,
0: um, yeah, her not so much. But anyway, so like now that she's in high school. You know she has two different genres of things that she's into like you know she's definitely into the you know modern day hip-hop you know the little Uzi and you know Boogie with the Hoodie and things like that or whatever Oof. um and uh, uh and you know so like and part of me is like I'm you know been trying to experience and appreciate you know things there as well like like for instance like now that I've experienced Tyler the Creator like uh, my mind is blown and you know and like i'm and, like so I, I i make an effort like when i'm in the car specifically like her and her friends or whatever and like you know what like I, i'm at the point where at, at 14 i don't give a crap what i'm saying crap but I don't give a fuck what they say and, and, and like my wife still wants to try to shelter it a little bit but part of me yeah. is like you know what like she's gonna listen to it up in a room why would i not play this in the car like, you know what I mean? Like that's the way I'm I'm looking at this, right? Like and and so um, and I try to I try to find things that I can appreciate about what some of these artists. That, hey, I may not want to listen to every day, you know what I mean? But like to, I think that's part of that process of um, uh, just appreciating other things and at a certain level, just trying to find a way to resonate with your kids you know what i mean you, you don't want to be that like oh why are you listening to that type of thing you know what i mean like i i'm doing my best to like i'm now i might make i might poke fun obviously at times yep. of like you know uh, but um i don't
1: know so do you know what band that Haley and i both like now right now today at this moment and and i find it super interesting turnstile hmm. so
0: oh that's right you you me about them the other night
1: and uh I've known them since they were, like, a New York hardcore band or whatever. They were just, like, a hardcore band. And then they got a little bit more Lodic And uh, this last album is a game changer. Like, they're, like, the Fugazi of now. Yeah. And uh, I find it interesting that we can connect on that level now because uh, it's it's a really interesting band. Like, from someone who can go on Saturday Night Live and play a show to still play dive bars and have people stage diving all night is super interesting to me it's a great crossover it's like uh, a genre getting exposure that never got exposure you know like uh ian mckay and fugazi probably could never be on jimmy kimmel Uh, but (laughs) i'm glad that turnstile a form of that can be and and i think that's like a a total homage to like what we grew up listening to or what i grew up listening to at least
0: yeah you know going back to like how you initially experienced music i um I remember, um, remember like the remember like the CD clubs, right? So like, uh, whether it's like um, it's a penny Columbia House or whatever, it's so like like all right, you you have to you have to pick ten CDs, um, and then you pay like twelve dollars now or whatever, and you, like or pay a like dollar now or something like that, and then like, but for the next twelve months, every month we're going to send you a free one or send you one. that if you don't send it back within the first five days, you have to pay for it. Yeah, something like that. That's legitimately how I found about I found out about bands, uh, and ironically one of my favorite Christian artists ska band called Insiders um, I found out about them because it happened to be whatever month CD that I got, I got that CD huh. I opened it, and I was like alright, and once you've opened it, you can't return it Nope. And I listened to it and I'm like, oh damn Right? And then like, they became a, I mean like it. it's hard to fathom like what I've ever actually heard of <laughs> if It wasn't for you know Picking out these 10 stamps. but
1: um. So what was your first CD you ever got? When, when the CD came out, what was the first thing you went and got?
0: Um, all, right. all right. So, again, this is sheltered Chris here. Um, the first CD I ever had, um, I'll, I'll never forget this. So my, I remember my brother had had some CDs before me. Um, and some, um, my brother was a stepbrother, so like, um, he had some experiences outside of our house. So he was actually exposed to more music than I was you know, growing up or whatever. Um, so I, I do remember him having a few CDs. Um, I don't remember where they were. But anyway, the first CD that I had, not that I bought, but um, <laughs> going to my grandmother's church... Uh, we did this like Bible study thing, uh, and there was this artist called Rebecca St. James, and she had this like Bible study thing or whatever. And in the back of her thing was a CD of like three of her songs. Yeah, uh, and that was my first CD of. You know, I remember that was like my CD. So most people aren't gonna know who that is or what that was, but um, that was my. Were you
1: like this sounds so fucking good?
0: Um, I don't. I don't remember it much. I was more just. Um, Again, because I was coming out of like sheltered music. Yeah. For me, it was just more of like, this is more than what I ever had. Right. Not so much, it wasn't about quality necessarily at the time. It was more of just like, to me, it was just like, I, I just, I knew that I wanted more music and I wanted to get as much as I could. Um, so between. Going to those magazines where you put the stamps on and you get the you know, whatever, or going to the CD store and they had like the barcode scanner yep. and you could like sample like the first 10 seconds ah, uh, yeah, uh, I remember of that. a song. Yeah. That's how I remember experiencing most new music or trying something out was at the CD store scan the barcode listen to it and you got really pissed off when like you scanned some of them and they didn't have those on file not yet you know? yeah uh, I yeah. always
1: went to the counter and I brought the CD and I was like hey man you guys don't have this in there can we listen to it and they'd usually put it on and go yeah we can't listen to that in the store right now <laughs> <laughs> Uh, My first CD I ever purchased, and it was at Kmart, and I remember they had those big glass things that you could only reach in and pull them out so far, and you had to look at them inside the case. Um, I bought Van Halen's 1984 on CD, and that's why I asked about sound quality, because I heard that thing on a CD player, and I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. And I played Jump a thousand times, and that song, Wait, I don't... uh, I just remember listening to that thing going, dang, it sounds so much better than my crappy punk rock stuff that I burnt from friends. Um,
0: so hold on, go back to cassettes for a minute. All right. So again, all right, we're doing a youth group, um, like retreat or whatever. Like we're camping out, you know, like for the weekend. Right. Um, my eyes, right, so this is still cassette time and, um, the band DC talk, their biggest album had, was Jesus freak. Yep. Right. And the song, so, this is when my mind got blown <laughs> my kid would ne- never understand this um so this one guy uh, i think his name was actually chris as well anyway he comes he's like hey guys check this out he had he had made a copy on cassette of jesus freak on repeat he took the time to actually dub jesus freak to a over and, a over cassette, and over, yeah rewind it hit record, dub it again. It was literally like mind blowing of like, we could just listen to this song on a repeat.
1: <laughs> that's cool though. Dude, I used to listen to a college radio station, KCFE in Florissant, Missouri had a metal show and it was on the, at the stupidest time, whatever stupid time it sure. was. I'd sit there and hit record and record the whole metal show. Nice, and yep. that's where I found King diamond and like all this weird black metal from Europe and stuff but here here's my guilty pleasure I'm gonna go ahead and let it ride cause why not I was a sucker for synth pop Thompson Twins hmm. Win in Rome Depeche Mode hmm. The Cure like for some reason all that stuff Duran Duran like
0: at, at the risk of having to take a shot Tears for Fears
1: Tears for Fears as well <laughs> and I, I I I love synth pop so That being said, all these things that I used to like, I go back and try to find the new versions of them now. And Mm -hmm. I literally have like two or three playlists on my iTunes where I went through and got songs that were similar that were Mm -hmm. released now. Mm. And uh, I don't understand why it's not the coolest thing ever. Like uh, in between set changes and sometimes after the set's over, I'll play some of these like throwbacks, like When in Rome, The Promise. Like all these kids know it. And I'm like, did their parents play this like where (laughs) where do they hear this like mostly i played pump up the jam technotronic and the whole place just starts dancing and it's all like millennial kids you know it's kids that are my daughter my oldest daughter's age to my uh to 17 18 years old and they all know pump up the jam like nostalgia did you all right timeless classic did you
0: ever make a mixtape for a girlfriend or someone, someone you liked. Like, yeah. hold on. And I mean, like, when I say make a mixtape, I mean, like, multiple nights you had to sit there at the radio yep. and wait for the, you know, for them to know the song's gonna come, hit record real
1: quick, hope they don't talk over the post. Hey. Uh, <laughs> I actually would request songs and sit there with the thing. <coughs> on Delilah? And, yeah. Well, it was sort of like <laughs> Delilah. They'd be like, oh, this song goes out to Amy from Kyle. And it's like Ozzy Osbourne Lita Ford, like <laughs> close my eyes. Oh my god. Yeah, I used to do that all the time. I still have those mixtapes probably. <laughs> that I sent and they sent me. So I actually um, we, were, we were cleaning out our basement
0: uh, the other night and um, and I found my wife's uh, stash of cassette tapes. Awesome. Uh, it's funny, I didn't even know we were going to have this conversation. Um, here you, you can see a cow. <coughs> well, look at look, see what oh, the three. Yeah. And now there's some mixtapes in there, but look at the look at the three that are. If you can find the readers, yeah,
1: Janet Jackson, which is a great album. Janet, oh, and Mariah Carey, Mariah
0: Carey's Christmas album.
1: <laughs> but there's a sweet memorex right by it, and that probably oh, there's a whole the stack
0: tunes. of. like So she, apparently, in that stack, and we need, I need to go through them. She said that like her and her friend like went through and basically karaokeed like with the radio. You know Love so I, I need to go through and find one of those as well uh but yeah there's a whole stack of like cassettes and, uh here's the, here's the best part or worst part i'm not sure which i pulled this out and showed carly my 14 year old like hey do you know what these are she's like yeah I'm like what are they she's like they're cds
1: <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> close and, close and, and i will be the grumpy old guy for a second the medium of delivery of music has gotten horrible like because the the album cover and the stuff that came with it was priceless. Mm-hmm. Like that's how you knew what that artist was about or what they were trying to purvey or their album like title. It it's like gone to this weird thing. In the sixties and seventies, the singles, fifties, sixties and seventies, singles played by DJs were the thing. You know, they only played one song off the album and that was mm-hmm. the hit song, blah blah blah, and they had a single of it. But then it went into the whole album rock thing where you listen to the whole Thing like the Aerosmiths, the the Black Sabbaths like there wasn't singles from those albums anymore because they weren't getting the radio play that the the DJs were spinning per se. Now it's went back to snippets. It's only snippets of songs. Well,
0: tic- TikTok. I mean, it's yeah, I mean, it's or or Snapchat or or, or, or a commercial Instagram reels or commercials or whatever. I mean, yeah, it's yeah,
1: and and it's amazing that I didn't know what Post Malone looked like for a long time. And when i saw him i was really unimpressed i was like holy cow he needs to he needs a shower and what's that stuff on his face but like uh you almost don't get a visual of what the artist was like um it's it's weird that that people can deal with that now like they they just think that's okay
0: i I think what's kind of cool though is what we'll talk about the like the good sides of the way the access that people have to music or whatever right so like you can have these subcultures for these artists that are way more viable than it ever could have been in the 90s or 2000s right right because you know what i mean like you can have these synth pop these um uh what like little niches of um, you know, video gamers who you know, like there's artists who get put on video games, right? But then there's like a whole like genre for that, and like and like there's a whole people who will just watch that on YouTube or, or, or whatever, and uh, and like those types of artists are, are able to start filling up clubs and stuff because yeah. of it, because of, of niches like playlists on Spotify, so like, so I mean, like there's there's like a positive side of the effects that the new mediums have had. Um, I don't know. I, I'm still very intrigued. I hadn't really thought about it until um, they said it, but like, I'm very curious if there is music that I will experience or have experienced in the last couple of years or whatever that when I'm sixty, 67 years old, will it, will it have the same nostalgic effect that it did of something I experienced in my late teens, you know, early twenties.
1: I hope there's something that enters my top ten of all time, that is new. I if, if someone asks me for my top ten albums of all time, I always give them nine and say that the tenth is something that's going to happen mm. later on, and and that's that's a huge thing. Like, I hope something inspires me as much as those other nine albums did when I was younger. All right, do you need to go in now? Should huh? I should. Yeah, go, go in. Let's stop this for a second.
0: All right. Well, I don't remember where we were. Real life stuff happened, and uh, we had to get the show started there for the opening act. Uh, but we're back, so let's uh, let's put a pin in this for now. Yeah. And
1: uh, yeah, what do you what,
0: what do you think, Kyle?
1: Well, I I like the idea of dinner with tacos and us talking about keeping things very open ended and very current and very open about what we can and will talk about and our opinions of such and uh, hopefully we'll be able to get some guests that would be cool to sure. like pick their mind on other things besides the audio and maybe even the entertainment industry like, uh, like you said I like the way people think because even you today being here with me in Philadelphia and doing your thing behind me I took interest in that and I found value and weight in it and moving forward, I want to know more about it so I can make myself different from that experience. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. And um, I think as far apart as people seem as a whole, that we all have a great middle ground together. And that's obtaining, you know, information and knowledge and things that we probably didn't look at a situation in the same way. Like you and I grew up in a completely different x and o variation of how we were exposed to culture and music as we were raised and uh, i i find it super important to know these things about you because you're exposing me to things and refreshing me on how things went in my ability to understand where culture and music and stuff has came from to this point now so Let's keep it open. Maybe it won't even be about music. Maybe it'll just be about life experience. Yeah, no,
0: it's, I mean, you know, music is obviously a, uh, um, a common ground or a, a place to start, you know, and it's it's, uh, um, it, it's a lot what we know about. It's what drives us to have to do what, what we do. So, I mean, it's, it's certainly a thing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, um, I think, yeah, just, just hanging out, talking life and, and talking to others. And, you know, as most of you know i'm very much of a headspace kind of guy and uh but it's um it's all that emo music you picked (laughs) up (laughs) probably um no i I think part of it just as you like as you do get older you start to think about things more at least i don't mean at least i do you know and, and you, um, uh, I don't know I I, I I like to explore the world through other people's minds um, and because again like you said we come from different backgrounds we have different experiences whether it's locationally where we live um, economically and how we were raised and or how, what our current situations are um, all those things um, and whether that happens to get into you know politics and religions and things like that like you know, um, uh, so be it. So be it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, and 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 if nothing else, just like, like I, I mean, I'll set the record straight now. I don't give a flying fuck how anyone else believes or thinks about things. Uh, I'm actually, I don't, I, I would almost rather have conversations with people who actually believe and think completely different with me because I, one thing I definitely have learned over the last. You know, seven years or so is that um, the whole echo chamber thing. Right. If you only have conversations and only read things that align with how you already look and view and understand and know, then that's all you will ever know and however you think. And, you know, that's what I've had this experience for the past couple of years of deconstructing both. Uh, my faith, my my political views, my my worldviews, my uh, all these things, my family, e- everything.
1: I mean, de- deconstructing the family happened over COVID. Yeah. you know, and uh, I think those are all valuable because none of us came with a manual on how this stuff works and um it's hard coming from this industry because there seems to be a manual for everything <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the things that we're having the most issues with are things that don't have the manual and uh figuring them out through our peers and and how we can navigate them differently is imp- priceless and maybe it's not giving a fuck about what somebody else think is it's, it's like giving a fuck about what other people think because their opinions are as valid as ours until we can find a middle ground yeah 100% and uh i th- i think that's a good starting point thanks for doing this
0: yeah man let's uh let's go uh i get to watch you mix a show man
1: weird so <laughs> I
0: look this is as, as we would tell them different people as have come to the bus here it's like you know we've, i've been doing this podcast for now for three years you've been doing it for a little bit more than that and this is only the second time in three years that you and i've been in the same room uh and it, it's it's as if we've known each other for a decade plus
1: you it, it's definitely you're my brother and um my, our friend Michael is definitely my brother, hundred percent. And uh um, hey,
0: maybe we should have him on the show sometime.
1: We should. We should grill him. <laughs> we should grill him about life Michael, stuff. We know
0: you don't like the headspace stuff, so we'll, you know, we'll maybe maybe can find some ones and zeros to talk about. I'm no, nervous. I'm,
1: I'm nervous because you've got a little machine set up behind me that does the math and makes sure that my stuff sounds good. <laughs> so if Clippy comes out and says, "Hey, buddy, there's too much reverb on that snare. It's not 1980." What Clippy? <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining us we don't even know what this podcast is called uh, hopefully they'll join us again yeah, we'll see us. where this
0: goes yeah see you.